What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Friday, November 12th. I'm Gideon Resnick. And I'm Priyanka Arabindi, and this is What A Day, where we're currently calling ourselves What A Day, Taylor's version. Yeah, she has a lot of new releases today. Red, Wad, maybe Blue if we're lucky. We wait around long enough. Who knows? Who knows? On today's show, the crisis intensifies at the border of Belarus and Poland. Plus, YouTube will no longer show how many people dislike videos. But first, exactly three months ago, the U.S. Census released its latest data from its 2020 count. With those numbers, a lot happened and will continue to happen, including political maps being redrawn throughout the country based on who lives where. And redistricting has big implications for who gets represented and who gets to stay in power for years to come. Yes, it does. In North Carolina, for example, the GOP-controlled legislature recently finalized maps for the state. So even though it is a battleground that Trump won by a single point in 2020, Republicans creatively moved around some district lines. And so they stand to gain at least two seats in the U.S. House in next year's elections. It is a truly wild situation, but not uncommon. Truly. And maps are being debated currently in other key states like Florida, South Carolina, and Maryland, just to name a few. Today, we're going to get an overview of the process and where it stands in a few places because the decisions that are made soon will be in place for the next decade. With us today is Michael Lee, the senior counsel for the Brennan Center's Democracy Program. Michael, welcome to What a Day. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So let's start with the basics before we get into all the nitty gritty with what's going on state by state. We've talked about redistricting on the show before, but can you give us all a quick overview about how it works and what all is at stake? Redistricting is one of those things that people think about a lot when it's happening, but then don't think about it for 10 years. And by the time it rolls around, people have forgot all the details. But redistricting is the process of redrawing maps at all levels of government from city council all the way up to the U.S. House every 10 years. And the primary purpose for doing that is to make sure that districts are equally populated. That's a requirement of the Constitution. But States and local governments also make sure that they're complying with voting rights laws and are creating enough opportunities for communities of color to elect. At least that's what's supposed to happen. But a lot of times it doesn't work out quite that way. Um, And instead, people put their thumb on the scale and manipulate maps for either discriminatory or partisan purposes. And that's called gerrymandering. Right. And 2020 was a census year. Where are we now in the whole redistricting process? Are states moving at different speeds? Um, How is the process different state by state? So right now we're really right in the middle of redistricting. About 18 or so states have completed redistricting, but there's a bunch more to go. But what will come will come really fast. So by early January or the end of January, certainly the latest, most states will be done with redistricting. So the next few weeks are really critical ones. 
Yeah. So wow. there are a couple states that you have zeroed in on that you think, you know, should be on all of our radars. The first one is Texas. So can you tell us a little bit more about how that state's population has grown and, you know, what that could mean for local elections that are coming up? Sure. So Texas last decade, like the decade before, was the fastest growing state in the country at about 4 million people. 95% of them were people of color. Mm. Um, and about half of them were Latino. And yet, uh, when it came time to draw maps, it didn't create any new electoral opportunities for communities of color. And instead, in Mm. many cases, it actually went backwards. It did really strange things like put suburban Latinos around Dallas County in a rural, mostly white district. I mean, they really made a lot of bizarre choices in order to shore up Republican incumbents, but they did it really at the expense of communities of color. Mm. Is that kind of like the conclusion from the whole congressional map? Where are people falling in terms of how fair they think it is? Well, I think it varies, you know, like in states where partisan lawmakers draw maps. I mean, I think there are a lot of problems, and that is the case certainly for Republicans, but also Democrats, right? Like the map in Illinois that Democrats passed is some black groups are suing, saying that black voters were divided up to short Democratic incumbents mm-hmm. in this case. But because Republicans control the pen in more states, there is certainly more gerrymandering going on by Republicans, particularly in the, in the South. Like the, the way that you gerrymander is that you inevitably have to target communities of color. Because of residential segregation, it's much easier to break apart or pack together communities of color in order to move the partisan dial up or down. And that's exactly what happened in Texas and what you're going to see happen in other states, especially in the South. Wow. I didn't didn't think about it that way. And you're kind of talking about this a little bit, states in the South. Another one that you're watching is Georgia. The demographics and politics there are kind of shifting in ways that are similar to Texas. So what are you watching for in Georgia specifically? Yeah, so Georgia is another... Um, state that saw really rapid growth. And in Georgia's case, 100% of the population growth last decade came from people of color. The white population in Georgia actually fell. So like Gwinnett County, where Newt Gingrich was from in 1990, it was 90% white. Today, it's only about 35% white. And you've you've seen wow. multiracial coalitions have really effective success in places like Gwinnett County. They, Gwinnett County elected a black sheriff in 2020. It elected the first Chinese-American woman to the state Senate in 2020. It elected openly gay Korean man to the, the state house, a Latina to the state house. And so you're seeing multiracial coalitions really come together and have a lot of electoral success. But in redistricting, uh, you know, there's a real danger that a lot of that will be kneecapped. Yeah. And with Georgia, at this point, the maps have been drawn, but there might be more wiggle room for regular voters and activists to have a say in the process. So how do the maps look at this point and where actually in the process are they at the moment? You know, Georgia's in a special session, but the map should be done by the end of Thanksgiving. So there Mm. isn't necessarily a lot more time. And, you know, the challenge is that, you know, whatever lawmakers draw maps, they really do try to cut the public out, right? Like in Texas, they didn't go around the state and hold hearings because it said there was COVID, right? They couldn't go around the state and hold hearings and engage the public. They also got the data late. So they said, like, gosh, we have to rush, right? So they're using every excuse they can to cut the public out. But that doesn't mean the public can't participate. It doesn't mean you can't, like, submit testimony or, you know, register your complaints or even put alternative maps out there. There's a lot more map drawing software than there ever was before. Sometimes it's hard to draw your own map, but it's easy to point out the mistakes in their map and say, like, this makes no sense what you did here. Um, And just getting that out there, I think, you know, particularly, like, telling the story of the impact of on communities of color, right? Because there's the tendency to think about this as a battle between D's and R's. And really, at the end of the day, 
it's talking about like these groups that are providing all of Georgia's growth, 95% of Texas's growth, really being shut out and locked out of power for the whole of a decade. And that's the thing about redistricting is that, you know, once the maps are drawn, it will largely lock in power for most of the decade, maybe all of it. Right. So we've talked a little bit about Georgia and Texas, but what are some models of what a good map redrawing process looks like? Or are there any like, you know, states out there that are doing it in a way where maybe we are not as concerned that people aren't being heard and kind of like packed or cracked in crazy ways? I'll start by saying the the biggest thing that a state can do or reformers can do to have better maps is simply to break up the one-party monopoly because when one party controls all the marbles, that's when you have problems, whether it's Democrats controlling all the marbles or it's Republicans controlling all the marbles. You could do things like what California and Michigan and Colorado and Arizona have done and create independent commissions that have strong conflict of interest rules, that have strong map drawing rules, that require really high levels of transparency. What we've seen from commission states is that the maps that they draw, both last decade and this decade, are much fairer. People will always quibble about any map, right? No map is going to satisfy 100% of people, but they're at least in the range of reasonableness, and people can kind of see how you got there, right? Right. And in states like Texas and Georgia, the whole process is behind closed doors. So let's say you are in one of those states, Texas or Georgia, or any of those others where the process is not transparent to you or being controlled in this sort of partisan manner. How do you get to a point at which the redistricting process is better, Yeah, the reality is that states that have reformed the process have tended to be states where you can go to the ballot directly, right? You can bypass legislatures because, not surprisingly, lawmakers have a self-vested interest in not turning over power (laughs) over their own district boundaries. But, you know, it's, it's hard because in states like Texas and Georgia, really east of the Mississippi, you don't really have ballot initiatives. And so that makes things really challenging. You do have to go through the legislature. And so it is kind of a long slog campaign in some ways for that. There are places like Austin, Texas, created an independent commission for its city council districts. And, you know, I think you can start to sort of build momentum and say, like, gosh, these things work. And they're actually not that scary by starting at the local level. That's one option. Also, speaking truth to power, like bearing witness to how bad these maps are, creating sort of public anger about this process, because really the reason we saw so much reform last decade, you know, in states across the country was because of how bad the maps were. Mm. And so that's why you saw commissions adopted in states like Michigan. And so, you know, if there's another bad round of gerrymandering, I think you'll see it reform in other states where you can. But of course, again, that's not possible in states like Texas or Georgia, where you have to try something else. The other thing that could happen Congress has the power to, for example, mandate that states use independent commissions, at least for congressional redistricting. Right. And that's something they've talked about, but they haven't done yet. But that's something, you know, that's another avenue that, you know, if you had the right reform-minded, Congress could use its powers to create a better redistricting process. Well, let's hope that one or both can happen, maybe simultaneously. (laughs) Um, Michael Lee, thank you so much again for taking the time today and joining us. Michael Lee is the senior counsel for the Brennan Center's Democracy Program, Thank you so much again. Yeah, thanks for having me. We're going to link to more resources in our show notes where you can learn a little bit more about the Brennan Center's work and where things stand with redistricting around the country at the moment. But that is the latest for now. It's Friday, Wad Squad, and today we are doing a segment called The Solution, where we propose a fix to a news story that has created chaos in our world. And guiding us through it, as always, is our head writer, John Milstein. Hello. 
Thank you guys for having me again. Uh, This is very important. Pleasure is truly all ours. Yes. You have one more reason to share your trove of homemade ASMR videos with the world because YouTube is officially removing the public dislikes counter from their site. Mm. The move is aimed at promoting a more positive, respectful, and inclusive culture. Mm-hmm. Interesting. YouTube experimented with hiding the counter back in March and found that doing so made it less likely for users or groups of users to use the dislike button to orchestrate attacks on creators. The dislike counter started getting phased out on Wednesday, but uploaders can still see the number, so don't worry about anyone's ego growing out of control or growing at all. With this move, YouTube has definitely taken a step towards creating a more positive space online, but there is still room for improvement. So for the future of a dislike counter-free YouTube, here is John with the highly anticipated solution. If YouTube wants to promote a culture of respect, positivity, and love, they need to go beyond getting rid of dislike counters and limit user feedback to only one type of interaction. Comments from senior citizens on concert videos from the 1970s and 80s. (laughs) Where YouTube comments are commonly used to attack creators, comments by senior citizens on concert footage can only attack our hearts and the part of our eyes that make tears by putting us face to face with the bittersweet and fleeting beauty of life. This real comment on a Bruce Springsteen concert from 1980 is just one example. Quote, I was there. One of the greatest nights of my life, despite the miserable weather and the loss of a beetle the night before. (laughs) I was with a woman who I've never stopped loving, even though she left me a year or so later. Excuse me? True, getting rid of other types of comments could have a devastating impact on businesses that make money off YouTube engagement, such as the one called Crooked Media. But for every dead startup and media company, we'll have 1,000 extremely heavy paragraphs that remind us to cherish our time on Earth, like this one from Simon and Garfunkel's concert in Central Park. Quote, I remember as a young 19-year-old in 1967 on my way to Vietnam in a U.S. Navy <laughs> ship singing this new song and already wishing I was homeward bound. Here I am, age 75, and how this song brings back memories. Where did the last 55 years go to? One moment I'm a kid, and the next moment I'm an elderly man. Oh <laughs> that is the truth. Wow. <laughs> there, there is a chance that older person live music comment tube is so unpopular that it kills YouTube entirely and if that happens, preserving these comments will be a matter of life and death I'll be in charge of archiving this one from a Fleetwood Mac concert in 1983 quote, why am I watching this on my iPad at 6am at 77 years old on December 15th 2020 (laughs) Wow, those were beautiful those were so unexpected, I really like that, now I want to go look at some old concert footage Truly, the first 10 minutes of Up have absolutely nothing on any comment that's left on a old concert video. The reason I'm not speaking right now is I am managing my waterworks at the moment. Please. Like I am Aww. crying as, as, as all of these beautiful comments. I can imagine it happening on the iPad early in the morning, just reminiscing. Yeah, I want to be 77 as soon as possible, but I also want to have a good time at my current age so that <laughs> I can be stoked at 77. <laughs> Wow. Looking at a Charlie XCX video on my <laughs> iPad when yes. I'm 77, uh, thinking about the good days. Oh, right. my God. Right. I met the love of my life at 100 gigs, and <laughs> she left me <laughs> right, one year right. later. <laughs> that was the solution. We will be back after some ads. What a Day is brought to you by Viore. Viore Performance Apparel makes the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift. Everything is designed to work out in, but it doesn't look or feel like it. And they're incredibly comfortable and cute and just the perfect thing to wear when I'm working from home or out and about, mostly at home, because I'm not 
out and about. Yeah, yeah. I will say, <laughs> I did not know clothes could be, this is, I'm being dead honest, I did not know clothes could be as comfortable as they are before I had Viore. Yes. Clothes can be so comfortable. Nobody told me. Smooth like butter, soft. They're so good. On the skin. I, I just love living in Viore. Viore is offering What A Day listeners 20% off your first purchase when you go to viore.com slash wad. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash wad. And enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. What a day is brought to you by Monarch Money. Are you saving for a down payment, a wedding, a dream vacation? Monarch makes it easy to help you reach your financial goals. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, your investments, transactions, and more all in one place. You can create custom budgets, track your progress towards financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. Really just makes it easy. After trying out Monarch for yourself, you'll understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash wad. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash wad for your extended 30-day free trial. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit betterhelp.com slash wad today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash wad. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. Nearly 1 million young kids have received COVID vaccines since the CDC approved Pfizer-BioNTech shot for 5 to 11-year-olds last week. That is according to an estimate that the White House made on Wednesday. Jeff Zients, President Biden's top coronavirus advisor, noted an additional 700,000 pediatric vaccination appointments have been scheduled across the country. Staying on this topic, a federal judge overruled the Texas governor's ban on mask mandates in schools on Wednesday. Republican Governor Greg Abbott signed an executive order back in July banning mask rules throughout the state of Texas. He argued that protection against the virus should be a personal decision and COVID mandates infringe on people's freedom. The man is pro-choice, except in one extremely important circumstance. Uh, the judge said that the executive order violates the Americans with Disabilities Act because the spread of COVID-19 poses higher risks for kids with special health needs and the ban could prevent them from going to school. Fact, one million kids got their shot. That is one million kids who are seeing Santa this year. Everyone else, get in line. If you want Santa, you know what you got to do. You got to get a shot to prove that he's real. Those are the rules. Those are the rules. <laughs> Some updates on the crisis at the Poland-Belarus border. On Thursday, Belarus's autocratic leader, Alexander Lukashenko, threatened to cut off gas supplies to Europe as EU officials are reportedly planning to issue new sanctions against him as soon as the beginning of next week. As we mentioned earlier this week, Lukashenko is accused of directing migrants to the Poland-Belarus border. 
as retaliation for sanctions that were imposed on him by the EU. In recent days, a large group of migrants have attempted to try and cross at the border between Belarus and Poland, only to be left stranded in freezing conditions. At least eight people have reportedly died, and on Thursday, Polish news media reported that a 14-year-old boy had frozen to death. Both countries have barred journalists from entering the area and have blamed each other for the crisis. One man who spoke to the New York Times has been stuck on the Belarusian side of the border with his wife and baby daughter for more than a week. He is from Iraq's Kurdistan region and said, We became like a chicken in a cage in the hands of the Belarusian and Polish police. We will continue to keep you updated as the story develops. A federal appeals court handed former President Trump a victory yesterday. The court agreed to temporarily halt delivery of presidential records to the House committee that is investigating the January 6th insurrection. The Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit said it is giving its judges more time to review the case. The National Archives was supposed to deliver its first set of documents related to the Capitol attack today at 6 p.m. D.C. time. But Trump is arguing that he can withhold the documents based on executive privilege. Meanwhile, Trump is appealing a lower court decision made earlier this week that said a former president does not have the power to keep secret records that the current president wants released. So here is what is coming next. The appeals court will hold oral arguments on November 30th, and the case could eventually be appealed further to the extremely right-leaning U.S. Supreme Court, full of great decision-making. Listen, we all saw what happened on January 6th. I do not understand why anybody needs any more time. It's been 11 months, and it's all there. We've known. We've known for all this time. The startup that allowed many of us to see a thousand movies that were certified rotten for just $10 (laughs) a month movie pass might be coming back our lucky day. Hell yeah. The company's co-founder, Stacey Spikes, told Insider that she bought the theater ticketing company out of bankruptcy. She said, quote, We believe if done properly, theatrical subscription can play an instrumental role in lifting movie-going attendance to new heights. Spikes would know what it looks like when this is not done properly. Towards the end of MoviePass's run, when the company was facing massive losses, it used truly dastardly tactics to stay in business, mm. including resetting users' passwords to make it harder to use the app and re-enrolling former customers without their knowledge. Yikes. No word on the timeline for the MoviePass resurrection. Hopefully, it comes at a time when all of us are on a very long vacation. Yes, but all the movies are Clifford the Big Red Dog. That is <laughs> the only one you're allowed to see with the new movie pass. That movie looks horrifying. It does. Um, that dog is out for blood to cover his uh, coat, which is already covered in blood. And those are the headlines. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, teach a new grift to movie pass, and tell your friends to listen. If you're into reading and not just YouTube comments that are more beautiful than any painting like <laughs> me, What a Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Priyanka Arabindi. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and thanks for, for listening, listening to Wad Taylor's version. version. I cannot wait to listen. Not to this. I mean, obviously, we've listened to this, but to Taylor's version of Red. I mean, we knew it all too well. You know, that's what they've Whoa. been saying. Whoa, Gideon's about to get a lot of credit on the internet for doing that. I hope so. I hope so. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Jazzy Marine is our associate producer. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Leo Duran and me, Gideon Resnick. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka.
The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25.